You have your Bibles, uh, let's hold those up. <clears throat> I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, would you speak to me? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, encourage your neighbor through a high five or a, a pound your fist there or whatever you need to do. I didn't know that uh, uh, Barack Obama and Michelle had been to our service. Did you see the other day they were given they were given a pounder? They they pounded each other. Did you see that? Right before speech. Well, where else is he going to get it? But here at our church, Amen. That was that was a very special moment in their life to watch that. All right, folks, make each day count. We talked last week, got the series started today. We're going to talk about the worth of your work. I've got a slide with uh, all the scripture there that I want us to look at this morning. We're going to read it together out of the New Living Translation. I hope you can see it. It's going to be pretty small. Where did it go? There she comes. Okay. Can you see that? I was afraid of that. Okay. Listen to me as I read it to you this morning. Let's stand in the presence of the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to begin in verse 22. If you have your Bible and want to follow along with me, that would certainly be appropriate. And I'm going to read down through uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Slaves, obey your earthly masters <clears throat> in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Now, before you sit down, would you hug those around you and tell them this thing. Say, I love you in Jesus. Would you do that real quick? <clears throat> Yes, you can mingle and hug and howdy. Go ahead. I know you haven't done that yet, so go ahead. Okay, okay, here we go. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have opened that gate. 
All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. All right. Praise God. Amen, amen. She's making the rounds, isn't she? She's acting like she hadn't seen anybody. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I'm so glad to uh, have... Uh, some friends with us this morning, uh, the Lewis family. Uh, been friends with them for several years, and they're here. And uh, so glad that they've made it this morning. And uh, my dear, dear old friend, Brother James Watson, is sitting right over there. Wave at him, James. That our boy. He came by this week and started immediately talking about the Cardinals. I thought, oh my gosh. <clears throat> then he then he started complaining about the Cardinals. <laughs> I said, well, there's always the Cubs. Oh, no, we're not going Cubs there, preacher. <laughs> He's a good fan of the Cardinals, loves them. So if, you ever want to go to, if you're going to St. Louis and have an extra seat, call James because he's ready to go with you. Amen. In the national survey of 180,000 American workers, 80%, 80% indicated a dislike for their jobs. That's really a sad commentary, especially since people who dislike their work are rarely successful at what they do. It's a lose-lose situation. Dobie Gillis once said, I don't have anything against work. I just figure, why deprive somebody who really loves it? <laughs> but in that comment rests a universal challenge, and that is to put excitement and enjoyment into work. We must first be willing to work, and then the satisfaction, the fun, and the fulfillment we experience in work become benefits. How many of you can say, I enjoy getting up and going to work every day? See, now when you can do that, that's a great thing. Because when you enjoy what you do, it's not a drudgery. I enjoy the ministry. Oh, there, there are times, and I've got stories I could tell you, and you would probably agree with me after you hear the story. But it's no different than your job, is it? There are certain personalities at your workplace that you just don't like. Let's be honest. Raise your hand, right? Yeah. When you see them, the first thing you think is, oh, great. And what's worse is they're walking towards you. And what's worse is, you know they're going to talk to you. And wouldn't you just love some time for, as they're walking towards you, just some feet away from you, you know, the hand of God falls on them or something. Wouldn't that just be marvelous? I mean, they're walking, you're cringing, you're feeling, all of a sudden you see this big hand come out of heaven and go, vroom, and squash them right on the ground. Man, that could be a powerful thing, couldn't it? You better hope it's not on you, praise God. But we've all got them. But work is not something out of God's concern. It's a major part of human life, and God takes work very seriously. 
We get calls often at the church for people in need. Rent, food, gas. It is a rare, rare occasion that we will actually hand cash to someone. If they want food, we'll take them to Reesers and help them get some food. Uh, they can't have cigarettes or tobacco products. They can't have beer. Uh, but if it's, it's family-related items, we'll help them get it. Gas. Uh, I have a, a relationship worked out with the uh, managers of the J-Mart on the corner, and so I just simply call them with a uh, name, a, uh, a car description, license plate, and then uh, I don't have to stop my day and run do that. They will, they will put just a certain amount of gas in a car and then we pay for it later. And I'm grateful for that opportunity with them there uh, on the corner. But you know, some of those keep coming back. And some of the same people. One gentleman came one day as, it, as I was leaving at 5 and it was 4.55. <laughs> And he, he was knocking on the door. Uh, so I went out, visited with him, and uh, he needed a place to sleep. I had an appointment at 5.30. And I said, okay. So I took him and put him up in a place to sleep. And that wasn't good enough for him. He wanted me to take him to Walmart. He needed food. He needed, he needed all kinds of stuff. And I looked at him and I said, sir, I, I, I appreciate your situation. I have provided you a place to sleep with a cool uh, air conditioner and hot and cold running water. And I really have an appointment I have to get to. And he just looked at me and just said, hmm, okay. So you're not going to help me, huh? <laughs> I said, I guess not. I guess not. So there's times when you begin to get calloused about helping people, don't you? And sometimes that translates over to where you work. Because if your bosses treat you a certain way, you don't want to respond to them in the right way. You'll say to them, well, <laughs> I'll show you. I think of the American Airlines employees. I don't know how they take it. How many of them took cuts in pay only to let the big boys up on top get all these perks and all these extra incomes given to them? What did they do? They didn't do nothing. <laughs> And now they're going to charge you every time you carry it. They don't charge you to fly. They're going to charge you when you put a, put a suitcase on there. Every one of them suitcases. Corey, it's going to cost Corey $400 going to this honeymoon for all the suitcases he's taking. Megan says, I can get it all in one, Corey. <laughs> that girl can pack. Praise God. But, you know, it's just amazing. And so sometimes it gets hard to even work. But it's worth doing. There, are, there is intrinsic value in work. Let me give you two reasons. Number one, God is a worker. God reveals Himself in Scripture as the worker. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God worked. He calls the activity work. By the seventh day, in, in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, by the seventh day God completed His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. He didn't stop working after creation. He continues to work. He upholds creation. He meets the many needs of His uh, uh, creation and works out His purposes in His creation. He accomplished the great work of atonement at the cross. God is a worker. And the fact that God uh, calls what He does work, calls it good, means 
that work must be significant and have genuine value for each of us. God's a worker, and secondly, God created people to be his co-workers. Man was created in the image of God, and since God is a worker, man created in his image must be a worker too. In Genesis 2 and verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. you got to work it. I love to, people that know how to grow stuff. I admire them greatly. If I plant something, it will die. It won't live. It won't work. Somebody said, you need to put flowers in your front yard. I said, I can't do it. Because if I put flowers in my front yard, they will die. Every time. My wife claims it's because I don't water them. I thought, water, water, smarter. What? Can't they just grow? See, the whole point is I've got to work it, don't I? I've got to drag a hose around there. I've got to put water on there. I've got to pull the little weeds that crawl up and try to choke them out. I've got to do all that. I don't want to do that. I want to put them in there, walk away, and just have them bloom and grow and blossom. Amen? Good luck, pal. So that's why I admire everyone that have, has flowers and everybody that can grow stuff. Brother Ralph comes by and he says, Yeah, my tomatoes are up. And I thought, tomatoes up? I thought tomatoes went down. What's the, what do you mean? But, so I don't know what that means, but he knows. Oh, I just, that's, I'm, I admire people that have the, have the uh, wherewithal to do that and do it well. But we're his co-workers. Ecclesiastes 3 and 13. Uh, the preacher uh, of Ecclesiastes calls work the gift of God. In Psalm 8, 5 through 6, David says, You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him Lord over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. Speaking of Jesus. So work is akin to a relationship with God. These passages and other passages show that work has an awesome dignity. Created in God's image, we do something very godlike when we work. And when we work cheerfully, it makes an impact on those around us. All legitimate work is an extension of God's work. And legitimate work is that work that somehow contributes to what God wants done in the world. The beauty of being able to work is that you can share Christ through your living example while you work. Amen? Are you with me now? Are you catching up to me now? The Bible doesn't differentiate between secular and sacred work. We need to dispense with that idea. We need to work, and, and remember that our work is carved into two categories, secular and sacred. And we've tried to make them separate, but we need to put them together. Selling pigs or stocks or real estate or shoes is not outside the concern of God. When Paul stated, whatever you do, he didn't specifically say what it was we were supposed to do. But he said, whatever you do, we're to do it to the glory of God. So you see the idea of a full-time Christian service or secular service or secular careers, those shouldn't be separate, they should be together. If God's called you to be a full-time servant of God, hallelujah, follow that calling. If God's called you to be a coach, follow that calling. If God's called you to work at American Airlines, work there. If God's called you to make millions and millions of dollars, I want to talk to you. 
<clears throat> no, go do that. Go do that. Amen. So many people are trying to win that that quick that quick dollar, that quick buck. That's why the lottery's done what it's done in Oklahoma, and it's bankrupt our state. It has. It has. We drove by the casino a couple of weeks ago. Well, I guess it was last Sunday, wasn't it, baby? We, we drove by there. There was nobody at that casino at 12.30. I looked at Cindy and I said, maybe the rapture did come, baby. There ain't nobody there. And then she said, there's no power on. I said, there you go. There you go. No power. By the time we came back after lunch, there was power on. There were cars already coming in the parking lot. I guess maybe they have a, a number and they started calling them, hey, power's on, you know. Wow. William Tyndale, burned at the stake for making English translations of the Bible, said, There is no work better than another to please God, to pour water, to wash dishes, to be a cobbler or an apostle, all is one. Martin Luther, the reformer, said, Household tasks have no appearance or sanctity, and yet these very works in connection with the household are more desirable than all the works of monks and nuns. Men that say, my wife doesn't work, but she stays home to raise children and take care of the house, that guy needs, a, he needs his head examined. I am telling you. Women that, that run a house, raise children, whew, man, they work. My goodness, they work. In fact, there's a lot less trouble with kids with the mamas at home. Don't leave, mama. You stay at home. Those kids want you to be gone from 2 to 6. From 2 in the afternoon to 6 at night is when most of the trouble happens. You don't think so? <laughs> Wait up. Oh, not, I, here's what parents say. Oh, not my baby. Right, Brother Brad? Oh, not my baby. Oh, not my baby. My baby will never do that. Yeah, your baby's the one with a hatchet chopping somebody's head off. Your baby's the one with a gun in the head. What do they say? Well, not my gun. That's not my marijuana. Well, I don't know how that got in my pockets. I believe the police planted it there. And parents will go and sue people because their kid said they didn't do it. And the parent says, not my baby. That parent ought to grab that kid, take him out back, and have a prayer session with him. You need to ask my son what prayer session means. The hands, of God are, the hands of God are involved. I just want you to know that. Ask Brad and Bryant what their dad talked about when, he, when, when the hand of God came to visit those boys. What's the significance of work? You know, sometimes we're not even sure. But as legitimate and as spiritual as it may be, we question the worth of our work, the significance of our job. For many of us, we don't pause long enough to consider some of the challenging questions that work brings. Lee Iacocca, writing in Fortune magazine, said, What do guys like me do who've had the world by the string? I got some, I got some notoriety and made some money in the car business. Now that chapter has closed, and I don't think much about cars anymore. You can plan everything in your life, and then the roof caves in on you because you, don't have, you haven't done enough thinking about who you are and what you should do with the rest of your life. Boy, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? And so for the next few minutes, I want to encourage you to think about what consumes you. I want to ask you two or three questions. Number one, first question, why do I work? Why do I work? Well, some people work for money. 
they're living, they're living embodiments of that bumper sticker. Uh, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Yeah, that's, that's how they are. Others work for opportunity, advancement, ambition. That drives them. Someone once uh, said the reward for a job well done is a better job. <laughs> Some work out of respect. Uh, they want respect, and, and, and that's another reason why they work. Many want the admiration that good jobs bring. They want to have power and authority on the job and attention from acquaintances and friends at home. They want people to notice when they walk in the room. Ooh. I think that's what I like about Coach Trimble so much is that he just doesn't command that. He's probably one of the most successful head high school coaches in the state of Oklahoma. But you'd never know it. I remember when he and Bill Blankenship would meet at midfield after we had beat Union. Time after time after time after time. And Bill Blankenship would just, he would walk by like he didn't exist until they won one. And, and I'll never forget, Coach Trimble walked right up to him and said, man, I'm so proud of you. This is an awesome victory. That's great. That says something about the character of the man. Now, is he a perfect guy? Heavens no, my goodness. I've been around him long enough to realize that. And he only wears shorts and a t-shirt to work every day. be great if you could coach. Just ask Brad and Bryant and Darlene. It'd be great if you could just coach and have to do with all the other stuff. <laughs> well, Rodney can tell you. The prima donnas that come. You've got them at your work, don't you? You've been there many years at your work. And all of a sudden, some young buck comes in and thinks they own the place. Eh? And they, they're administrators over you. Oh, they're fun, aren't they? Young guys that don't have a clue what's going on in life. But boy, they tell you what's going on. They'll tell you right now what's going on when you're saving their whole soul <laughs> by making them look good at work. Am I talking to you yet? <laughs> but what happens when the money dries up? What happens when the opportunities stop? What if people don't like you? What if there's a downturn or downsizing? So what then? You know, I heard just not too long ago that, that you know, they're going to start laying off people at American. And I immediately think of our church people that are involved there. And I, and I pray for them instantly and constantly. Because how, ter how terrible is that? When the fat cats on the top side are getting all those millions of dollars. They buy out one guy to leave as the, as the chairman, but they, they, they write him off with $60 million. Hello? I know he's going to struggle. I know he's going to struggle with his, with his payout package of $60 million. You know he's going to have a hard time getting food on the table next week at $60 million. Amen? Any of you want to try that one? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Arthur Miller portrays Willie Loman in The Death of a Salesman. Willie's a traveling salesman whose aim in life is to make it big, to have everybody like him, to see his sons following his steps. And one by one, his dreams shatter. First he loses his job and then he realizes much to his dismay that his sons mirror all his insecurities. Willie finally commits suicide in despair and that play ends by his graveside with the son's revelation. He had the wrong dreams. He never knew who he was. Perhaps Willie never stopped to answer the question why he worked? 
read the story of a man who's selling pigs to farmers. His preacher friend was uh, praying for him and talked to him often about spiritual things. And the farmer's preacher uh, friend discovered that uh, nothing motivates his friend to practice Christianity more than relating what he does all day on the job to what he believes God wants done in the world. And for this friend, he believes that selling pigs is the place where God wants him to be right now. It's God's will for him. When people ask me, preacher, what's God's will for my life? I say, what are you doing? Because whatever you're doing is God's will for you right now. So do it. Do it with excellence and do it with enthusiasm and do it to the glory of God. Apostle Paul in Colossians 3 and verse 23 of our text Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men. He says, whatever you do, that means even selling pigs. Paul says, do it, do it to the glory of God. So the key to finding purpose and meaning to your job is connecting what you do all day with what you think God wants you doing. So how do you know if you're in God's will? That your work is what God wants you to do? Well, that leads me to question number two. For whom am I working? Are you working for a boss, for your spouse, for your family, for yourself? Or are you working for God? If God is a worker and He calls us to be co-workers with Him, then our work must be for Him. Back to this verse, 23 of Colossians 3. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord, not for men. So whatever you're doing, do it for the Lord. I admire all of our coaches in our, in our church because they are unashamed of their faith. They work in a public education system that frowns on them sharing Christ on a public forum. But guess what? They don't care because they know God's greater than the school system. Amen? Now, they may get fired over it. That, that, that's got them scared, doesn't it? <laughs> I love it when what they told Coach Trimble. They said, you can't do FCA anymore like you're doing it. He said, then I quit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, don't be hasty there, brother. Don't be hasty there, brother. He said, if you're going to tell me I can't share my faith, then I quit. Now, that was a bold move, wasn't it? They could have very well accepted that. He had two lawyers call him later and say to him, if they try to take your job, we'll defend you free of charge because we've got them by the neck. <laughs> I love it when a lawyer will call you because then you can fight like you want to fight, amen. <laughs> but he said, we've got them by the neck. Boy, that's right, folks. God is greater, and he will always be greater. It doesn't matter what the outcome in November is. It don't matter, what any, it don't matter how high the gas price. Why don't they just jack it up to $10 a gallon and get over with it? Just get over with it, amen. Let's all start riding bicycles. Amen. Glory to God. We'll be healthier. We'll live longer. Amen. Somebody told me this morning about the cars that run on water. Hallelujah. $150. You can add it to your car. You can run on, on a, you can run 1,800 miles on four quarts of water. Glory to God. You don't need gas anymore. Now what's going to happen? Why won't they let that happen? That's a, this is a bona fide thing. Carsrunonwater.com. Is that, is that John? Am I saying that right? Carsrunonwater.com. $150, put it on your car, boom, you put water in there, off you go. You don't need oil anymore. You don't need gas anymore. Hallelujah. 
I can go to Dallas on a half a half a gallon of water. Glory to God. And we got plenty of water. If you run out of water, just pull over and start raining about a half hour. Get a siphon out, catch the water, let it run down into your little tank, and off you go. Can you believe that? Is that an amazing thing? See, we have the technology. We've always had the technology. So why don't we find it? Why don't we release it? Why don't we get it out there? Hmm? Because we've had the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Why isn't this house full every Sunday? Why isn't this house full every Sunday? Why ain't your house full every Sunday? Why aren't you enthusiastic about Jesus? Why aren't you bringing people up here in the middle of the week and baptizing them in this water? Huh? Hmm? You've got the power of the Spirit in you. You've got the greatest message of all time. Keeping it to yourself, aren't you? Selfish little thing you are. Who are you working for? Love the movie Chariots of Fire. Uh, Harold Abrahams and Eric Lytle. They both wanted to win gold medals in the 1924 Olympics, and they both accomplished that. One did it for himself, however. The other did it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men. Our ultimate boss is Jesus Christ. He's the one we need to please. Our work is to be for His glory. Because on Judgment Day, it's not going to matter how much you made. It's not going to matter how much you did. It's not going to matter where you worked and what Fortune 500 company you worked for. What's going to matter on Judgment Day is what you did with the cross. Should have been a thundering amen. I'll pause while I point at the cross again and wait for you to respond. Let's try it one more time. Let's try it one more time. Third question, can you give all your heart to your work? Colin Powell, former Secretary of State, learned a valuable lesson about work early in his life. He worked for the Teamsters Hall on soft drink delivery trucks. Uh, Powell accepted the job as a porter at the Pepsi bottling plant, not knowing what a porter actually did. The first day on, the, on his new job, the future chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and Secretary of State was given a mop. He was determined to be the best mopper at that plant. And at the end of the summer, the foreman watched Powell work during the summer and he complimented him on his hard work. The foreman offered him a better job for the next summer. Colin Powell could have had a different attitude toward this menial job as a porter, but he was determined to do the best job even if it was not working at that best job. Here's the lesson he learned, and I quote, All work is honorable. Always do your best because someone is watching. We may not have the most glamorous, the best paying job in the world, but we can still give that job the best that we have to offer. Colossians 23 and verse 24, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord you serve, the Lord Christ. When we serve our employer well, we serve the Lord well. Joseph as Potiphar's overseer, Pharaoh as the prime, and Pharaoh's prime minister, Daniel as the king's advisor, Nehemiah as cupbearer to the king. What's God calling you to do? What's God calling you to do? Martin Luther King Jr. said, if you are called to be a street sweeper, sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. 
sweep streets so, that, so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, He lived a great a sweet, a street sweeper. Uh, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. That's what you want. Then the last question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? In verse 24 of Colossians 3, it says, the Lord, if you, if you work ultimately, the Lord will receive the reward for an inheritance, and you will receive the Lord of an inheritance from the Lord. As far as God's conserved to slaves labor in the wheat fields, when done in faithful submission to God, is as worthy of a crown as was Paul's preaching in Rome. It's something of which he too will receive a reward. And that thought challenges and it comforts me because as a Christian, I receive not only a paycheck, but also the promise of a heavenly reward far greater than any salary. So folks, whatever you do, do it to the glory of Almighty God. Work, work, and work with excellence, with diligence. Don't do just enough. Do a little extra. Don't get down in the mouth and mealy mouth. Be grateful. Be hopeful. Be enthusiastic. I preach you, you just don't understand. I hate my job. Matthew 25, 23. As we come to a close this morning. There's a section for believers. We'll stand on one day before Jesus and we hope we hear him say what's in this verse. The master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning. I ask you earnestly this morning to be real in the lives of the people in this room. Father, that you will touch these lives. You will move in these hearts. Father, that your spirit will be allowed to prick, to prompt, to do whatever he needs to do. Because Father, some of us are struggling in our work. Some of us are struggling in life. And yet, Father, everything we do should be done to your honor and glory. So, Father, as we sing this invitation song, it's an invitation for each person to consider where they are and what they need to do with their walk with you. So, Father, would you bless each heart in this room? And if they need to make a decision of some kind, would you have them do that? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing